Hello, loves, and welcome to Fed Up Recovery Podcast. This is a podcast on eating disorder recovery. I'm Kim. I am recovered from an eating disorder, and I used to work in an eating disorder clinic. Today's episode is going to be on body dysmorphic disorder and its relation to eating disorders. My friend Dylan, who I met nearly four years ago now at an eating disorder support group, and we had classes together, um, she's here to share some of her story and experiences with um, body dysmorphic disorder, and I'm going to ask her some questions. And then at the end, I'm going to share my experiences with this and my eating disorder, and that should wrap it up. All right. Dylan also has a podcast called, um, <laughs> what's it called, Dylan? Oh, it's called Video Heaven, and it's available on Spotify. Fabulous. Video Heaven. She's awesome. And it's about horror horror movies, sort of? Uh, yes, it, it's about uh, horror movies. And right now I'm just focusing on the subgenre of revenge horror films. Oh, it's awesome. So I'm going to be listening to this podcast soon because it is looking forward to it. So check it out, guys. And uh, um, yeah, I like horror, too. What's your favorite horror movie, Dylan? Uh, I think I have a lot of favorite horror movies. Probably my top three or my top few is uh, the Funny Games, Martyrs. Um, I like Somos Lo Ki. I have so many favorites. I have a lot of favorites. Crap, I haven't heard of any of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Are they kind of um, like indie or like harder to find horror movies? Yeah, I'm not... Sure, a lot of people talk about Somos Lo Ki. That's a really great foreign one. Um, Funny Games is is more talked about, but Martyrs is a little bit more on the extreme side. It's a it's a French kind of revenge film. It's really excellent too. Oh, cool! I'm gonna watch that one. Send Martyrs. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. Is it really violent? Yes, uh, it is. So I, <laughs> yes, I, uh, <laughs> very violent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I sometimes go for that, so maybe I'll at least check it out or read the reviews. Yeah, just be wary. It's it's a little bloody. Okay. Is it like fake blood or real blood? I mean, I'm oh. guessing it's always fake blood. Oh, but like, my God. I hope it's fake. fake? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fake. Does it seem real? Like, does it? I like when the movies are like really fake blood, like bright red and campy. Is it not like that? Maybe. Yeah, let's let's not have you see that one. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's get started then. Um, we can start with some questions. The first one I was going to ask, because I'm really curious. I thought I knew a lot about body dysmorphic disorder um, kind of before going into this research and before talking to you about this. I was kind of confusing it for body dysmorphia, and they are different a bit, right? You're saying that body dysmorphic disorder is kind of like the bigger disorder and then body dysmorphia is underneath that so it's like a symptom of body dysmorphic disorder yeah I think there's a lot of ways to define it and a lot of ways in which I don't totally understand it like for some people um body dysmorphia can be a symptom but a lot of the elements of body dysmorphic disorder sometimes um aren't about weight at all not not about any sort of um weight related components sometimes it's just about like you have a a mole on your face or something you don't like and you obsess about it like sometimes body dysmorphic disorder can be about other things and be completely 
separate from an eating disorder, but that's not always the case. There is a lot of interception. No, right. intersection. No. Uh, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like in, interplay, inter... Interconnectedness, yeah. Interconnectedness, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Totally. Um, And so I think, yeah, and body dysmorphia tends to uh, involve more weight and body shape and perceptions of that is my understanding. That's my understanding too. I could be wrong, um, but that's what I've come to understand when, you know, the way it's defined sometimes, but some people also have both. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have both? Have yeah, I would say both then? I actually haven't been diagnosed with either because I haven't really told anyone about it until maybe three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, I recently started seeing a nutrition therapist and that's like the first time I've ever told a professional about it ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because when I was re- doing research on it and I watched an animated a short video about it with a guy that tells his experience on it um which i'll send put the link to in um this video in this podcast on my on my channel um because it's a really cool animation and he talks about just how like how well it, it's often talked about how undiagnosed it goes mm-hmm. because it can be like seen as a lot of different things and um but it is actually a really specific disorder so it's cool that you're like identifying that and now seeking help because it could make a big difference. Sounds yeah. like. Uh, yeah, I agree. I just haven't really been, uh, I think a big part of the reason I haven't wanted to treat it is because the moment I treat it, then maybe I won't be so filled with hatred for my body that I won't, I don't know, be able to get to a body type I like. It's it's a very disordered way of thinking, which is which has uh, prevented okay. Yeah, it's made me not want to get treatment until very, very recently. Okay, that's interesting. Because my next question was going to be, how does um, body dysmorphic disorder play a role in your life? And how do you feel it is associated with your eating disorder or like disordered eating? Um, so that would that kind of be in, involved with that? Like you, you think that if you started to recover from this, that kind of interferes with like an eating disorder brain? That once you kind of, if you come to more acceptance with your body then you won't feel the need to change it, maybe? Yeah, I honestly, I'm so unrecovered right now that it truly terrifies me to not have something telling me like, oh, you, you don't need to eat that or, or you don't need to uh, work out today or anything like that because the moment I stop, then maybe I, I'm just going to get too big, too whatever. You know, it's always too much of something and I that's what kind of made me want to get help because I know that that line of thinking is, is incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. It's like, a, it's really sad because I mean, if you have the body dysmorphic disorder, essentially it's never going to go away. Like even if, and with eating disorders as well, like it's never enough. So if you have the underlying feeling, which I think it would be especially enhanced if you're suffering also from body dysmorphic disorder, that there's just like something wrong with you and it, you know, it'll, and it's untrue, but that's like what the disorder tells you. And it'll never, you'll never get to like that weight. Or you'll never change yourself enough to fix it until you actually deal with like the, the disorder itself. Yeah, I completely agree um, because I strongly feel that it's actually not about my body at all. It's a very brain thing. I think there's a big societal component to all of this and it's not really about my body at all. Interesting. Is your, um, 
are you okay talking about like the specifics of um your body dysmorphic disorder if there's like specific things that you notice or that you obsess about yeah so um here's something that's interesting and i haven't actually heard other people describe it in this way which makes me feel a little weird but um I'm a big horror fan, a horror movie fan, and there's there's a lot of movies that show kind of humanoid creatures, monster films, whatever, um, as the villain. And a lot of times they do look almost human, but they're not, and they're they're eerie enough that they creep you out in their monster forms. And that's kind of how I see myself when I look in the mirror. Like, like you see uh, yourself as a monster kind of, or like one of these horror characters? Yeah, like I, do, I look, um, this is, it, again, this is very um, weird to talk about, but I, I'll look in the mirror and I'll see something humanoid, but I won't seem quite human. And I will, I just will feel very weird, monstrous to myself when I look in the mirror or or when I look at photos of myself. Like you don't recognize yourself, you're not like... You don't like feel, you know, I, I feel, yeah. Like, you know, when you see yourself, hmm, I'm trying to think. Cause I have that a bit, like when I look at photos, like everybody probably has that a bit. Like, um, it might be taken at a strange angle and you're like, whoa, I look like that, which I think can happen often in photos. But I would imagine, is it for you, like, it's really unrecognizable? Yeah. Um, scary a bit. Uh, yeah. I truly don't know what I actually look like because my perception, I, I believe, is so warped. That it just doesn't make, it doesn't have any sense on this plane. It doesn't make any sense. Does it ever manifest as a certain body body part? Or is it like yourself in general just kind of becomes, like, do you f fixate on a certain body part or a shape or just like the shape in general? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of times you go through phases where you hyper focus on one body part. Like, I'll say for now, it's my chin, neck area. Um, I'm super, super hyper focused on that lately and that's that's a big symptom okay so you like um will over like examine this part of your body gosh yeah i i do a lot of body checking i will wear turtlenecks or scarves or i'll pose with my hands in front of my face in pictures there's a lot of uh focus given to that a lot of hours of the day dedicated to um obsessing about that body part yeah, that's wild. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> Has it changed um, over time? Like, have you noticed yeah. it changing? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I would say that I do get into phases where there's another body part that I hyper-focus on, like my tummy or my legs or my thighs, my arms, and uh, that'll be... What, I, what I'm focusing on a lot of times, though, it's just my body in general feels bigger than I'd like it to be, uh, which it, that's the part where it, it kind of contributes to how much or how little I eat, how much or how little I exercise. Okay. Does it ever feel like you can change it in that moment? Like if you really hyper focus on this certain body part and like there's you want to just change like in this moment. So like the more you look at it or the more you like think about it and the more you like work on that thing. Like if I can just eat this thing or do that thing today, like maybe it'll change as less yeah. of a realistic kind of thing. Um, yeah, I would say if I just eat this 
and I don't eat that and I do this for X amount of days, then I'll definitely be able to get my neck thinner the way I used to look in high school, whatever, even though in high school, like I hated myself then too. So it's just, it's an impossible thing. And, um, and working towards it doesn't even make any sense to begin with because diet culture is so false and diets really don't work the way we think they're going to. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. hyper fixating on things obviously doesn't help, but like, it's not just so, it's not just so easy like that. Oh, stop, you know, love yourself. That's so cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it'll be ideal. Um, what was I going to say to follow that up? Yeah, so it sounds like this has been happening for a long time. If you did, you think you have it in high school also then, or earlier? Did it start earlier than that? I think my my earliest memories of it are are in elementary school, maybe uh, first first or second grade. Really? Yeah. Was it a certain thing in that time that you know that you fixated on? I'm trying to remember what I fixated on. So it kind of manifested in other elements of my face and myself. I, um, was waxing my eyebrows back then. I was on Weight Watchers back then in elementary school. That young, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Was it your choice? Um, in a way, I, I think, um, it's difficult to know when, when a kid feels too big in their body, it's difficult to know what, what to do. And we knew so much less back then about, um, like I said, about diet culture and stuff. You don't Mm -hmm. really know what's wrong um, until maybe later when it became a a very big focus of my life, weight stuff and and diet stuff. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean about that. It's definitely changed. And it's so good that it's changed that people have, I think a lot of people have more understanding of um, like the falsities of diet culture, especially with kids. Um, but I, me- I remember in when I was in elementary school as well, we had all the, I don't know, it was like part of the program of eating right and you'd like record what you ate during the day, which I know it has its like merit in like teaching kids different like vegetables and like what you should eat, but it was just like obsessive, like you would win prizes if you ate like a certain amount of vegetables and if you didn't eat like a certain amount of dessert and mm-hmm. it just like, it's like associating the prizes and rewards for certain foods is like really harmful I think for children oh I completely agree and and, and even assigning even saying something is any inherent value this food is good this food is bad when when food is just food right right exactly I like I'm obsessed with this concept it's been like life-changing for me I think Mm -hmm. stopping labeling food yes ma'am not easy so you think that um what was I gonna say Overall, this is tied into your eating disorder then, correct? Body dysmorphic disorder? Yeah, but what's funny about it, or I guess it's not funny, haha, but, you know, what's funny about it is it, it came first, and then all the eating stuff followed. Because of the fixation on the body? And, like, then yeah. you could start really changing how you ate? Mm-hmm. I believe that's, the, I mean, it, it just makes sense that it, that's why I'm like this. I mean, I would think that's why, because... Uh, I was so focused on that, that, that I guess it just eventually followed suit with the eating stuff and the diet pills and all that stuff. Are you comfortable um, talking about your eating disorder behaviors like throughout your life briefly? Yeah. Um, as a kid, I guess it started off with the Weight Watchers meetings. We'd go to meetings every week and 
I'd get weighed every week. And uh, it started off with that, got a little bit more, uh, you know, I kind of dieted off and on throughout my life. Until, you know, more recently than I'd like to admit, obviously, the ple- I, do, I do not condone that, by the way, please. Um, and I guess in high school, I would take some, you know, some of the diet pills that you get from vitamin shops. And I've gone to like a weight loss clinic. I've gone to like a plastic surgery consultation. Like there's been a lot of ways in which um, I've tried to mold my body into something smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you not go for the plastic surgery appointment? <clears throat> I, d- I went to the consultation. I think the doctor said, you know, it was too, you know, I wanted it on my, remember my hyperfocus is my neck. I wanted it on my neck. And I think he said that what I wanted was too, was too dangerous at the point, you know, at this point. Okay. Well, that, you know what? Maybe not too dangerous. I think he said it was, it wouldn't work as well as I thought it would. Like, like some other more organic form of weight loss would work better than, than the liposuction I wanted on my neck because, because there's such a long recovery period with that too. I mean, it was, I think I would have done it had it been something that would have been um, effective, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it hard to like hear that and to come to terms with the fact that you wouldn't be able to have that surgery? Yeah. I mean, I, it, I just, I so wish that I looked a certain way that that I wouldn't even really be able to appreciate because I don't know what I look like. And I, I think that I was kind of devastated that I'm like, okay, doctor, fix me, make me perfect, make me, you know, beauty standard specific. And, and he couldn't do it, you know? Like kind of like put it in your hands. Like I trust you because you're a beauty surgeon. Absolutely. If I put it in your hands, like you'll know because I can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just, you know, carve me into some beautiful, like David stone where I'm just like, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean though? It's, yeah, it's, totally. It's, yeah. It's sad. It's, it, and I, I'm ashamed of it, but yeah. I'm sorry. You're ashamed of it. It's, you know, it's, it's hard. It, it's, it's hard to unlearn these things. And I really hope that I can eventually, you know, yeah, which I think, I mean, that's the tough part because they are also so um, interconnected, as we said before. Like you said, mm-hmm. you suffer from OCD and it seems like you have eating disorder behaviors and body dysmorphic disorder you're working on now. And like, um, working through all of those together and how to get... Like, how to manage them to a point that you can come to terms with yourself, I guess. And it's like, it's kind of like what I've learned with eating disorders in general and like my eating disorder and my anxiety and depression and similar things that I, it's like just getting to the point of like managing it and working through it and knowing that it might not completely go away, but how can I, how can I like, how can I live my life without every single day being affected by this and like Mm -hmm. not doing other things because I'm, you know, body checking constantly or obsessing over what I'm eating or avoiding people because I'm, I feel bad in my body because I have all those experiences. So. Oh gosh. I hope that like getting treatment (laughs) for this, you can at least become more like more yourself and like, you know, see yourself as you actually are. 
I hope so too, because everything you just said, I, I, you know, I really so relate to to all of that. Yeah, can I ask you? So I wrote down all. I wrote down from. Let's see what the site was. bdd.iocdf.org, which I think is an OCD focused site that talked about um, body dysmorphic disorder. And I wrote down the list of common signs and symptoms of body dysmorphic disorder. Do you mind if I ask you them and see if you? See if you qualify. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> see if you qualify for the bonus prize at the end. <laughs> okay. When I did them, I think I got nearly all of them. Like, or like things that I've like done throughout my life. I'm like, yeah, I've been here for many years throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just a maybe, maybe bit calm, shared experience here. Um, so the first one is frequent thoughts about appearance at least one hour per day. Does that sound like you? One hour, Lord. <laughs> Sorry, are you at least one hour? Yeah. Okay, so yes. Number two, spending a lot of time staring in a mirror while fixating on a flaw or completely avoiding mirrors also. Uh, yes, completely avoiding mirrors, so yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Covering up the disliked body area, which you talked about, right, with scarves and turtlenecks and things? Yes, ma'am. Um, repeatedly asking others if you look okay. Yeah. I find I do that too. I think I try to avoid it, but I feel so tempted. Like, uh, I, wa- yeah. I want to just ask somebody, like, do you, do, do, what do you think of me? Like, I need you to tell me if I'm beautiful. Like, what are my flaws? And, like, demand them. And I'm like, that's a really weird thing to ask somebody. And it's always somebody I love. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I think I kind of... Do you, know, do you remember that show... I don't know what it was. Ten years younger that was on TLC. Um, no, I don't think this. I, I don't think so. It's like insane. They, um, I think these shows have kind of stopped happening, but I think it made me obsessed about this a bit. Like, they would put somebody, somebody who qualified for the show, and they put them in a glass. It sounds insane. They put them in a glass case, basically. <laughs> <and> pu- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. So they put them in a glass case in like a public area and everybody would have to write down like how old they thought they looked. No! <laughs> yeah. And then so then they would like yeah they're wearing like just underwear and bra I think. Because <clears throat> there's always women of course. Of course. Yeah because like you know. And so then they'd have and then they'd like take the average of all those numbers and it'd always be like way older than they are and they would like sit down with them in a room and be like this is what you are. Everybody thinks you look so old. And it would be like they'd be crying, you know, and it's just so mean. And then oh. they would like do all the, and then they would like do all this stuff to make them look 10 years younger, basically, like take them, whatever, plastic surgery, hair dye, I don't know, all this stupid stuff. Um, so it's like this, I think that maybe I watch the show a lot. I think I just like watch TLC quite a bit, which I'm really ashamed to say on. <laughs> out loud right now but you know <laughs> I think it was like my middle school years I watched this which is too bad um on so many levels but yeah so it's like just the idea of like having the public I don't know like judge how you look so much and like getting their opinion like okay if the whole public tells me how I look which must be kind of how celebrities feel a bit because that's kind of like what happens often yeah anyway so yeah <laughs> So you said this. Wait, you repeatedly ask others if you'd look okay. Basically, I hope that show does not exist. Bottom line, anymore. 
Sounds like a nightmare. Yes. Okay. Um, the next one is frequent appointments with medical professionals to get perceived flaw fixed. Not, uh, yes, uh, definitely for a long time. Not, not as much recently, but maybe that's because of COVID. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Still, so, silver lining, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So the next one says repeated plastic surgery or dermatologic treatment. Which sounds like you didn't end up going through with, right? But you sought that initially? Uh, yes, I did seek it. I didn't, I didn't go through it. I've done um, treatments, but I haven't done surgery. Okay. So you've yeah. done like, dermatologic treatments, but not surgery? Yes. Okay. So next one is com- compulsive skin picking. Hmm. No, actually, I don't have that one. Okay. Um, avoiding social situations. Uh, very often, yes. But it's funny because these are a bit, you know, quarantine. Right. It's <laughs> a bit different. Leaving the house less often. <laughs> yes, but probably anyway. Yeah. Um, keeping obsessions of compulsions secret due to feelings of shame. And I'm guessing the compulsions could be with um, like mirror checking and things mm-hmm. like this. Maybe body checking. Yeah, it's um, definitely. And it's funny, too, because I, I do sometimes also uh, I've told you this um, before, but I, I, I sometimes shower in the dark, too, which is crazy. But I mean, I, I do that. So does that fall under body avoidance then? I would think so. Yeah. So do you think in general you um, stri- you do more of body avoidance like you don't look in mirrors than body checking? I would say so. There is some body checking, but probably more of the avoidance. Okay. Do you avoid like touching your body, like putting on lotion or things like that? Yeah. Oh, I hate. Uh, yes, I hate touching my body. Um, so the last one is emotional problems such as disgust, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, suicidal ideation, etc. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would <laughs> say so. Okay. Probably. Um, so it sounds like you probably have it. I mean, the things with all these like internet things is why why it's so important to go to a professional because they're all kind of vague vague i say vague weird vague <laughs> how, do you, how do you say vague uh i would say vague vague i think that's the way you're supposed to say it i get made <laughs> fun of this for a lot so every time and i say vague a lot as like when i'm speaking this is a word i use often and i just always say it the wrong way um but yeah i mean they're kind of vague so it's like important to because to like you know it's not important you don't want to diagnose yourself or your friends this is just more for like interest i guess and like maybe like relating i think it's or for other people that are listening then they can be like oh i do relate to those things i should see a professional right it's always good to um to kind of look into yourself like be introspective and and assess stuff and then but it's definitely always always better to see a see a professional if you can yeah because i mean if you do all these things online it's like I've done like every single thing and I'm like, oh my God, I have everything. I'm, I need every medication for every disorder ever because somehow I relate to all of them, <laughs> which isn't very helpful. Okay. My other question I was going to ask was, have you noticed it getting worse during quarantine at all? Yeah. Yeah. It has been getting quite a bit worse. Do you know why that is? You know, here's why I think it is. I think it's because you are trapped at home and being trapped at home and trapped in your body, in your flesh prison of a body, I think it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. Flesh yeah. prison of a body. That's epic. I it's true. 
so like it's just like you feel like more and more trapped like yeah I would say um I would say I feel very trapped in multiple ways right now and that's going to exacerbate the symptoms yeah does it then like um translate to just like the trapped means like a feeling you get more anxious in general which increases your um BDD symptoms yeah plus you can't monitor uh what you eat to the same extent because grocery stores are out of certain things i think there's a lot of elements here so it makes the eating disorder also then kind of yeah i would say so yeah i noticed or i was reading online about quarantine and um i think you posted this actually but body dysmorphia and dysmorphic disorder during quarantine and how people it's like usually you have other people distract you and you have like it's just like p- bodies are more normalized when you're out in public. Like everybody, you know, people have so many different types of bodies and you have other things that you're doing. Whereas when you're at home, maybe you just have like, you know, your family or your friends or whoever you're staying with, or if you're alone, you don't have people to like really compare to or, and if you're just really spending more time using media and social media and Instagram and these things where you're kind of seeing a lot of specific types of bodies, it can like unnormalize body types maybe. Yeah, that so, makes like, a lot it, of sense. Yeah, I was kind of feeling that way too, because I noticed my like, yeah, like body feelings changing a lot, and like just being confused about what type of body I should have, like mm-hmm. feeling kind of satisfied with it, and then being like, oh no, like maybe I'm just like disillusioned, and I'm, I should have a better body, and <clears throat> you know, it's just like there's just too much time to focus on the self, maybe. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um... And what's funny, too, my nutrition therapist sent me uh, an article about how since a lot of us are using Zoom now or video call right now to connect, it, it's um, a very disorienting way to see oneself as we haven't as much before. Does that make sense? Yeah. You mean like the like the small video of yourself, like in the corner when you're talking? Yeah. Gosh, I always have to turn my I mean. Like right now we're talking, I'm not, uh, we're talking on Skype and I don't, I'm not looking at you. Yeah. Which I prefer to, I don't like seeing the little face, my little face in the corner. And I've been wondering that too, if it's like people that are more focused on their appearance would be, have a bigger issue with having their face on a screen. Cause I get really, really fixated on my face when I'm doing a video chat with somebody that it's like really distracting and I'll like make sure I look really good ahead of time. Like, not, like, just not even for the person. Like, I'm not trying to impress a person, like, on the other end. Usually, it's, like, a family member or something. But I just cannot look at myself without, like, feeling, like, the right angle. And, like, it's really obsessive. Yeah, I completely, um, I completely relate to that struggle, too. I wonder if there's a correlation. That'd be interesting, um, interesting, like, a pretty easy study to do, I would think. Like, how much do you fixate on your video and how much, like, body, what's your body dissatisfaction rate? Mm-hmm interesting if only we're back in our psychology research class right yeah i I mean it'd it'd be a very interesting thing to look into because i think there's a big component Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think so too um so it seems like you're just recently figuring out that you have this so one of my questions was what has helped you with um body dysmorphic disorder up to this point is there anything you can like say about that um what has helped me up to this point? yeah like what's helped you like deal with it or oh well uh, i guess i've known what it's called since high school okay 
Um, but I haven't really wanted to fix it until more recently, like, you know, for the reasons I said before, you know, disordered reasons to keep my body, um, looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really enjoy fashion and oh, okay. sometimes I think that helps. Sometimes I think it hurts. I follow a lot of, um, models on social media that, don't fit the very strict um, European beauty standard norm. And that sometimes brings me comfort that it's like, there's so many, so many ways to look and so many ways to express oneself. And I I think a lot of that has really kind of helped my, my recovery. That's cool because yes, you are like my fashion icon. So do not let this die, please. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. She has fabulous fashion. If anybody gets a lovely chance to meet Dylan, you'll be impressed. We had a um, pajama party one time. It was the cutest thing. We got pizza and watched movies, which I'm guessing were horror movies. And had an ice cream. Do we have an ice cream sundae bar? And then wore matching pajamas. It was like, and they were such cute pajamas. It was like the best day of my life. Yeah, I still loved looking at those pictures. And we even did uh, really cute face masks. And you did my makeup, too. Oh, that's so fun. Yep, see, <laughs> she's, a good, she's a good time. Um. So that's cool. I think that's a really good. I always recommend that for people to it's like to to have people that you look like and like part of my recovery from my eating disorder was under like understanding my like my body type, I guess, and um understanding my family history a bit. And like I have a really similar body to my grandma actually. And so like seeing her in pictures and she's not anybody that like dieted or she just kind of had the same body her whole life. I don't think she grew up in a diet culture. And so like seeing that her body wasn't this like super rail thin body and um, understanding that like, I'm like, I have Swedish descent. So I have more of like a, I don't know exactly what that would mean, but like cold dwelling people tend to like carry fat in different places. So just like coming to terms with more of how my body is kind of like supposed to be and like finding people online and like fashion people that, have bodies more similar to mine so like understanding that like I can dress my body exactly how it is and not have to change it to fit the style that I want but like I can be stylish as I am exactly which is kind of a mind it seems like really obvious maybe but it should be obvious that like you can be fashionable at your body type you don't have to change to be fashionable but it was mind-blowing to me I'm like oh like today I can look good I don't have to look good in like a year when I lose 20 pounds or something so I think it's a really cool way that you found to help yeah um that's a really good point that you just said and i think also here's another thing i'd, I'd like to eventually kind of come to terms with that you know why is some sort of external beauty the the goal anyway like maybe maybe that's not as important as mm-hmm. as we think it is and i'd, I'd love to kind of veer away from that if i can during this whole journey you know yeah that's actually that's that's really good too um do you, for that, would you focus on like, like, do you feel the need to kind of like replace things? So would you like have a passion or a hobby that you really feel good about? That's like totally internal versus external. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I'm, I really enjoyed talking about horror movies on like my podcast and stuff. I really like doing, um, writing about horror stuff. And I like, uh, playing with my dogs. There's a lot of things that have nothing to do with the way I look that bring me joy and that I think bring other people joy too when they're around me. 
Yes. Yes. That's a beautiful thought. And it's so true. Because I can imagine the world and the amount of time we'd have if we didn't focus so much on beauty and external things. And yeah, like we all deserve to have that kind of life to like be loved for us and what we love to do. And like allow the people that appreciate us for these things to like love us and to love them back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's nice sometimes when you get a really good compliment, like you are really funny or you really show a lot of compassion, like that kind of stuff feels really, really nice. and has nothing to do with my appearance. Yeah, I think there's a push for more of that. And I love I love that idea um, of just like even like your friends just not complimenting each other as much on our looks. I think we're so used to doing that. Like you see a friend and like the first thing you should do is like, oh, my gosh, I love your face your legs I let lo- you're like you look so good your shirt is so nice but like what about yeah like complimenting something else besides this because for me it tends to give me a lot of anxiety either way like which I just hyper focus on these things so like I'll be in a, f- a room with like two friends and one friend will compliment the other friend and be like oh you look so good like your hair is beautiful and I'm like oh what about my hair because I compare it to everybody and it's mm-hmm. just like if we in general stopped like just talking about each other's appearance all the time I think it would ease a lot of people's anxiety because then it's like, oh, if they don't com- compliment me the next day, does my hair look bad today? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a bit too No, I think, I think attached comparis- to this. But... Comparison is a real thing. I think it can really bring you down to um, compare yourself to other people when we all have, we all have weaknesses, we all have strengths, you know, and, I, and it's all valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I agree. Would you like to add anything else about um, your body dysmorphic disorder that we missed? Like something that you'd want to tell people or um, I don't know. Anything I didn't ask you. It's okay if you don't. Yeah. um, I think I would just want to say that um, I, (sighs) this is hard. This is hard because I'm not recovered. And I, I just hope that people, here's a big one. Here's a big one that I'd like to learn myself. I I hope that people can start using the term fat without assigning any judgment to it and just using it as a descriptor and it not being associated with ugliness or bad things. Um, It'd be nice if if we could just learn a lot of different ways to describe our bodies and and do so with a lot of neutrality instead of, you know, maybe negativity or, or, or optimism or positivity. You know what I mean? Yeah, like very objective thinking about the way we look, like just seeing it as it is. And describing yeah, just, it as it is. Uh-huh. Just like just like with food. Like, you know, this this broccoli is a good food, but this pizza is a bad food. Like, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like fat is bad, muscle is good. Like your body is supposed to be composed of all these different elements. Yeah. hmm Yeah, there's something I saw about that too, or I read um I was reading studies about body smorphic disorder, and they did one for I think it was bulimic patients in a hospital were asked to, I think it was look at themselves in the mirror, like maybe like wearing minimally minimal clothing for an hour each day and objectively, Oh, is it? No, it was in front of just a therapist. <laughs> and then I think they were clothed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they were supposed to just like stand in front of a mirror with a therapist in the room and talk like stare at themselves for like a half an hour and like describe all their body parts like with an objective lens so being instead of being like yeah I don't like this I don't like this 
but is looking in the mirror and like saying, my arms look like this to me. They look like this type of shape. My, you know, my face has freckles and there's a mole and my neck is, you know, long or something. And like, it's not, not labeling anything as, you know, I have a really kind of, I don't know. I think we're, we're, we're likely to start talking about ourselves. Like, yeah, I think I have a kind of a big stomach and my thighs kind of touch together in the wrong spots. And, you know, that's like the first thoughts. Um, but they, when they were doing this, the, the clients that the patients that did this, like noticed less anxiety over time. Like they had a better rate of like relapse prevention and things. So wow, I think this is a really good goal <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like possible to work on it. Yeah, I, I think I definitely think it's it's totally uh, possible. And oh, one more. Can I say one more thing? Yes, of course. Um, so a big thing for me, and this is going to sound negative and I don't mean it that way. So just please keep in mind that I don't mean this in a negative way. Okay. Um, so I don't think I'm going to be able to love my body ever. But I think what a goal for me is that's realistic for me personally is body neutrality. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times to kind of have that as a goal rather than, oh, I'm going to just think I'm the the coolest thing since sliced bread. I think seeking out body neutrality as as a good, you know, as a even if it's only your first starting point, I think makes sense for some people, myself included, when, when you don't think that body love is attainable just yet, you know? Absolutely. I think that is not negative at all. I think it's actually a really realistic and beautiful thing to reach and yeah it's not negative at all I've, I've been hearing a lot more about that as well yeah it takes, a, it takes a lot of pressure off too oh gosh it does because I just I you know I, I wish I could be like oh I love my body or whatever and I just I'm not sure that's in the stars for me given how long I've dealt with this but at the same time I don't want to say it's not but at the same time I just want to get to a place where I'm like okay I, I have a body it does this, it does that, and it's it's okay, you know? Yeah, and I would suppose, too, that kind of, like, gives you more flexibility throughout your life in general. If you're seeking body neutrality and you learn the language about talking about your body in a neutral way, then, I mean, like, bodies change so much throughout life. And if you're always seeking, like, I love my body, and, like, if, if you're ever not in the I love my body zone, then it's, like, distressing. But like if you if you're in this flexible zone of like body neutrality, you're not looking in the mirror and being like, okay, what do I love about it? Nothing. Or like just being like, okay, my body's my body. Today it's gonna get me through the day. I'm gonna feed it today. I'm gonna, you know, move it today with whatever I wanna do. I'm gonna hug my friends with it today. You know, it's like a neutral thing. It's like it is an effective body. <laughs> yep. And and that's kind of all you gotta I mean, even if it you know, one more thing, like some people are chronically ill, disabled, whatever, you could still even say, I have a body. And just because of that, I deserve respect. Absolutely. Yes. Maybe it doesn't do, you know, maybe it doesn't um, work in the way that you uh, that, you know, that's it's kind of out of the norm for whatever reason there is. I I think that there's a big component of this that um, I, I like to think of myself as like a disability activist too, in in a sense. And I, I think that just having a body, I mean, then you should, you should, um, you deserve respect for that. Yeah. That's a really good point as well. I think it's important. Yeah. Like we, everybody, every last person having a body is enough. Yeah, I completely agree. So 
I am going to, if, are you okay wrapping it up with that then, Dylan? Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I think I'll um, talk about my experience a bit and then talk about some more facts about it, but I think that'll be it for you for now. Thank you so much <laughs> for being on the podcast. I'm sure you'll be on it again because you're a beautiful speaker. Oh, thank you. You're a beautiful person. All right. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about my experiences with body dysmorphic disorder. When going through this whole list, I definitely related to a lot of them. I've been a little bit confused about whether or not I would have body dysmorphic disorder or if my body dysmorphia was more related to um, my eating. And as I've gone through, as I recovered from my eating disorder, I still notice some of these recurring of like these symptoms that I do. I still suffer from a lot of body checking and it's really related to um, anxiety for me where if my anxiety increases, I feel the need to like control my body more. And I don't, now that I don't have an, that I don't like engage in eating disorder behaviors anymore, I no longer will try to like change my eating or change my exercise to like change my body because I know that's not effective for me. But I feel the need to just like constantly look in the mirror and constantly check my body to like see if it's like good enough or like just to kind of like, I don't know, check it. <laughs> and so it really makes my anxiety worse. So the more I check it, the more it's worse. Um, so I have to like set limits to my body checking. If it's getting worse, I'll try to do it just like twice a day or just not use the mirror at all. Um, but overall, as my eating's gotten better, my eating disorder has gotten better, I feel a lot less of these symptoms like avoiding social situations and leaving the house. Um, I definitely did those, but not as much anymore. Um, I would cover up my body with like, yeah, lots of like baggy clothes when I had an eating disorder. And, um, yeah, I would, I would look up a, I wouldn't, I've never gone for plastic surgery or dermatologic treatment, but I would like be really obsessive about these things. Like I, I would make lists about all the things that I would change about my body and just felt really unsatisfied. Um, I would, yeah, avoid mirrors. It would be kind of on the two sides. So I would be like really obsessively looking at mirrors and then avoiding my body altogether. I had a lot of fears about touching my body. Like I went years almost without putting on any lotion or I would avoid taking showers. And I just like the idea of like taking off my clothes and being in a shower to just like be with my body was like really, 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 really distressing to me. So I would, you know, put it off as long as possible. It's not a great way to make friends, but eating disorders aren't great ways to make friends either. So it was just a, it was just a rough time. Um, I practiced, I got better with this, with like the lotion and the showering by, um, I started like putting lotion on my feet and just like kind of focusing on parts of my body that felt less, like I felt less emotionally attached to like, you know, my thighs, I was really obsessed about my stomach like touching those was difficult, but like putting lotion on my feet was a good way to start like touching my body and feeling more okay with it um, to begin. I am more interested that I think I brought it up earlier about the neutrality and looking at my body and observing it in a way that's more neutral than um, like just seeing it as like a body and like as someone else's body even and like losing the attachment to myself. Because I do have a bit of body avoidance too. And like the idea of doing that is very stressful to me. Um, so I think that'd be a really good practice. So I'm looking into that now too. Um, so yeah, that's basically my experience. I wouldn't say I have it. I don't really know. 
I've never gotten tested for this. But, um, yeah. Um, so it's just some, like, facts about it that I read online. Um, body dysmorphic disorder affects 1.7 to 2.9% of the general population in the USA, which is about 1 in 50 people, and that's 5 to 10 million people in the USA. It is equally common, actually, in males and females, um, 2.5% of men and 2.2% of women. It most often begins to occur in teens and adolescents, 12 to 13 years old, but it can also begin younger. It's often misdiagnosed as its symptoms often um, like coincide with other disorders, like how we we're talking about with Dylan having OCD and eating disorder and body dysmorphia and body dysmorphic disorder. They all kind of like work together, um, which makes it harder to diagnose. Um, by the dysmorphic disorder is treated with CBT, which would be cognitive restructuring, exposure, and ritual prevention and relapse prevention. So it's like cognitive strategies of core beliefs of thoughts. So like if, um, you know, like I really want to change my stomach, so I want to get liposuction and then like asking what's behind that, like, well, I don't like my stomach. I feel uncomfortable with my stomach. Okay. So what's the worst thing that can happen, you know, with people, you know, like your, why don't you like your stomach? Well, I'm afraid people will look at it and think it's a bad stomach. Well, why do you care that people look at it? Well, I want people to like me. And why don't people like you, you know, like just getting down to really what the thought of what's the thoughts behind each of your behaviors. Um, treatment for this also includes exposure and ritual prevention. So exposing yourself to fears, um, starting with mild things like not wearing makeup or going out to public, going out to socialize more often. And then avoidance of ritualizing be ritual behaviors like body checking, saying like what I would do is basically this is just setting like limits to how many times you can body check during the day to slowly just slowly um, get rid of this behavior and uh, yeah percep perceptual retraining and that's kind of like changing the way that you see yourself so body dysmorphic people often have a complex relationship with mirrors or reflective surfaces so practice by objectively describing own body at a further distance from mirror like I was saying before that the people will do for their therapists um, or practicing touching certain body parts and then focusing on other parts of the environment instead of only your body. Like, say you're sitting in a chair and this is something that I find that I do a lot, like sitting in a chair and I'm really get obsessive about the way my thighs kind of feel in the chair. Like, oh, my thighs look kind of big when they, when I sit down, they kind of spread out and that's distressing to me. Um, but instead, like you're sitting in the chair, wow, this chair has a really nice leather surface. Like the armrests are shaped a certain way and it's kind of comfortable or it's uncomfortable and just kind of noticing parts of the environment that don't involve you and your body which this is actually cool I want to practice that more too it's kind of falls in line with mindfulness I would say okay so that's some statistics statistics is a hard word to say those are some statistics and my thoughts and lastly I would just like to say um, if you have experiences with body dysmorphic disorder write to me i'm curious what your experiences are and if you've had treatment for this i would love to hear what you've done for treatment and if you can share any advice and yeah if you're suffering with this please get help um there's lots of treatment for it and it is treatable and yeah if you also suffer from eating disorder it could really help your eating disorder and help your recovery from that as well so yeah, that will wrap up today's episode. Thank you much so much for listening. 
Um, hope to see you next time. And if you want to write me through my Instagram, that is Fed Up Recovery on Instagram. And I hope to hear from you. Bye bye.